Welcome back, everybody. We are here for a post-fight sort of recap episode on that Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley event. I have Lex here with me. Lex, say hello to the people. It was good, everybody. Thank you guys so much for choosing us as the place to go for the recap, the review, or whatever the case may be. Whatever reason why you're here for this uh, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley event. So let's get sort of a general take going out here first. So the question I have for you, Lex, to lead things off here, what was your like overall takeaway from the event? You know, just kind of your overarching feel on how the night went for you. Over, overall, was I, I was very entertained throughout the card. I mean, I'd say like a, a seven or eight out of 10. You know, like the undercard was entertaining. The main event was entertaining. They didn't try to oversell it like the broadcast team. The crowd was into it. Every element of the fight was good. Good to great. So, I mean, no complaints from me. It was an entertaining night, and I feel satisfied for my, for, for my boxing fix this weekend. I don't, I don't know about that last part, okay? But um, in yeah, terms of— Like, Montana Love and Baron Chink was, like, nice. That was... It was nice to see Dubois lay dude out. Uh-huh. And, like, although Woodley and, and Paul obviously was not, like, elite boxing— it was suspenseful enough that I was like, ah, it's a cool little fight. Um, I, I would agree, though, with everything you said. I think on a sort of zoomed-out level of did I enjoy the night, the answer is yes. I think I really enjoyed tonight. I think, and this is something that we don't get too much in, in boxing, but you see it a lot in wrestling, where the crowd can make a show. If you have the right crowd and the right environment, that crowd can take fights to the next level. Even the bad fights can be elevated by a crowd that's going to essentially be the voice for you at home. Now, there's also, this can go bad, certainly, but just you go back and you watch an old show, uh, Canadian Stampede, I, I don't remember the year, but... You go back and watch that show, and that co- that crowd is electric the whole night, and it caps off in the main event. And I feel like we saw one of those these events tonight where the crowd was just hot for this. Like they were, they were so ready to be entertained by the night, and they got enough over the course of the night that that they were happy about. I mean, even the dull moments. There were some dull moments, and they booed and let the fighters know that that was not what they were there to see. And then they they also, when they were rewarded, though, they lost their minds. And I want to say uh, something about, I guess, the, the main event. And I feel like in, sometimes, I, I don't know, it feels kind of weird sometimes because I feel like fans come to see certain things. Now, if you go to see a Rigondeau fight, you should. <laughs> the expectation is that you're not going to get a lot of action. Because over the course of Rigondeau's career, he has not always thrilled. In fact, he's delivered a dull performance more often than he's delivered an exciting performance. That much is very, very clear. And tonight, people showed up with this expectation. And I feel like there were so many people that showed up for different reasons for the main event. There were people that showed up because they expected that Jake Paul was going to knock out Tyron Woodley or vice versa. And I'm sure those people weren't a fan of the boxing that Jake Paul was doing. There were those people that thought that, you know, Tyron Woodley was going to take him into deep waters and drown him at some point. 
they didn't really get that, but everyone was there for a different reason. And I think that added a, a level of tension to that main event that you didn't necessarily expect. Because usually, I mean, what do you have for tension in boxing? You just, it's like, well, one of these big bastards is going to knock the other out. That's usually how it rolls. It, it's not so much what people were expecting for that main event. Uh, what did you think of Dave Chappelle in the background? You could see him for most of the main event, just like losing his mind, jumping up and down, like screaming into the ring. I thought that was almost as, that, that, that might have been actually more entertaining than the fight. I mean, Dave Chappelle is like a legit fight fan, man. Like he goes to a lot of boxing. So it, it doesn't shock me. I mean, it, it plays into my overall like theme of tonight. I'm waiting to like drop it on you the right time, I guess. But it was cool to see him out there, man. How do you think Sean Porter feels that uh, with everything Cleveland that got represented tonight, Sean Porter, <laughs> MIA? That he can't sell out a fighter at his own family dinner? Is that how Errol said it? Well, I'm not. I'm not trying to insult Sean Porter. You know I love Sean Porter, so I'm no, not going to handle that Errol slander. Quote. I mean, how does Sean Porter feel? To be honest, Sean Porter probably wishes that he was one of the announcers during the fight. Honestly. Oh, that would have been so good. I think Sean would have loved it. I, I, Sean, uh, well, first of all, we... I think we both agree that Sean is great on commentary, but I feel like Sean's the type of dude that got the would have got the gimmick of the fight. Oh, he would have leaned all the way into it. I mean, like for 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 good and bad, Sean is pretty hokey, and I I don't think he's ashamed of it. And I think this would be like the perfect fight to be hokey with, like overreact, be dramatic, be hyped up, be excited. I mean, he would have fit right in. He would have done a, a real good job. All right, so let's talk about the main event. Did they get the decision right? Yeah, I mean, the right guy won. That's all I ever care about. Really? Like, I'm sure there's going to be people out there complaining about the split decision. But, like, let's be honest. Like, Woodley was putting on a lot of pressure. Who knows who these judges are? I haven't. I don't think I've heard of any of them. No, they got They got They they did the WBA job there. We're just like, wait, who are these guys? Yeah, they just threw up some random dudes. So, I mean, like, who cares? Like, I don't like that people get upset. Like, Jake Paul won. He should have won. So, who cares? Like, it's all good. The fight was fun. Um, I I, I kind of didn't like Woodley going off about the rematch just because like it wasn't the kind of fight that warrants a rematch really. But whatever, no big deal. Well, for one about that, I I think that that plays perfectly into Jake Paul, and it, and it worked really well for them that Woodley was calling for the rematch because where Jake Paul really excels is insane. The and this is why Errol Spence is called the truth. Like, obviously, he does it in the ring. But Errol will hit you with the part of the truth that hurts. And that, Sean Porter, you can't sell out your family dinner. Do you think you hurt Danny? I think it was Danny Garcia. Do you think you hurt Danny Garcia? Sean says, I believe I hurt Danny Garcia. Errol just says straight out to him, you didn't. <laughs> like, that level of telling the truth, though, can be very endearing in the case of Errol Spence. But... For Jake Paul, part of what makes him a successful troll is that he can hit you with the uncomfortable truth and be antagonizing with it. And that played perfectly into it because Jake Paul just came out straight out. As soon as he said it, says, you want a payday? And then really quickly in his mind, he switched it into sort of, how do I embarrass Tyron Woodley here to if he wants this? Well, make him get the tattoo. Which, by the yeah, way, you already shook on that. that. He should because, be getting like, that. As the fight ended and I'm listening to Jake Paul, I'm like, yo, that fight was probably really real for him. Like, he's talking about his yep. legs were tired. And yep. to me, that just says the moment was so big mm-hmm. that he didn't know how to emotionally handle it. 
and say what you want about Woodley. Like, I'm already seeing people saying, like, oh, he's scared to let his hands go. But, like, the dude isn't a boxer, and he doesn't. He didn't know how to set up anything. The one thing he did know how to do was how to apply pressure properly. Uh, and Woodley, uh, Jake Paul didn't like it, it t- from my observations. So well, after the fight, he's kind of reflective. Like, damn, maybe I need a break. Like, that shit could have been real. I could have got stopped. <laughs> and when Woodley started going off, it put Jake Paul right back in character. Like, yo, yes, that's how tired I am. I'm going to get back in the shit-talking mode. So right. Like, yo, you got to get the tattoo. You want a payday. We moving on. Get the tattoo. We do the rematch. So I think it was, like you said, it was really good for the moment. No, I think it's a really good take. I think for sure, Jake Paul was trying to be real for a second. Woodley came at him and he was like, oh, all right. Well, I got to turn the gimmick back on. Because that fight was, yo, listen, people are going to hate on that, like what Woodley was doing. But the fight was real. The reason why all that crazy knockout shit that Jake Paul has been doing previously wasn't there is because, and I predicted this. Woodley's a professional fighter. He knows how to take punches and, and like read little gestures and shit like that. So for all the people that are saying Jake would definitely KO him, I, I didn't see that. I was like, Woodley might win. I remember you told me you were like, there's no way Woodley could win. No way, no way. I was right and though. He did you were right, <laughs> but I bet it was it was it not closer than you thought? I'll say this. First round ha- happens, and uh, maybe it's like in the second round. I was like, well, if I would have put more thought into this, maybe I would have <laughs> come to this conclusion. Because after the fact, because I- I'll be really honest with you guys, it- as much as I was interested in this, and like, I was interested in like, this is just entertainment for me, you know? And I feel like most of you probably feel the same way. This is just like entertainment. You're not here like ch- trying to watch this the same way you were watching Pacquiao versus Ugas. It's like, no, I'm watching this the way I watch the uh, Great British Baking Show. Like, I really don't care who wins, okay? Uh, Actually, no, I may be more invested in when I watch that. But anyway, so I didn't think too much of the fight. But now that I was thinking about my, okay, I don't know all of Tyron Woodley's UFC career. But I do know that I used him in UFC 3, the game. And I know that (laughs) I was not getting slept very often when I played online. And uh, so one of the things, though, that I was thinking, I was like, you know, Jake Paul is going to be wearing boxing gloves. And if he hits Woodley, like, I don't necessarily think that that punch from Jake Paul with boxing gloves is going to be any more impactful than the shots that uh, Woodley was already eating from the lighter MMA gloves. And I can't recall. And granted, I don't know his, his full box rack, but like, or whatever MMA version of that is. I don't know that Woodley's ever been knocked out. I think he's got good chin rating in UFC 3, so I I was like, man, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I... But then again, I didn't put that much thought into this. But like, it became really clear. So like, okay, if this was boxing, if he was a boxer coming into the situation, like even like a low-level, like 43-year... Uh, well, we actually, Floyd Mayweather. We saw an old boxer get in the ring with a very big guy who, you know, he might have touched him up a little bit. Floyd was not at all bothered by what Logan was doing to him. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I see the way I see the way this is going here. I'm an idiot. Not just the gloves, like the years of sparring boxing, because most UFC fighters, they spar in boxing like a little bit. So he's going to know how to like maybe roll with the punches, maybe how to take punches, maybe how to like catch jabs, maybe how to gauge distance. Like the things that Nate Robinson didn't know, 
that Ben Askren didn't you, know. You do, we do not need to bring up Nate Robbins' name here. I'm just saying because <laughs> a lot of people I talk to watch those replays on repeat, and they were like, yo, Jake Paul is just going to stop him instantly. And I'm just like, yo, this dude is a pro fighter. Like, sure, it's not boxing, but he fights for a living. He's going to know more than these other guys. Okay, I feel like, and I noticed this at some point. I'm curious if anybody else did. There was a a point in the fight where Jake Paul tried to jab, and Woodley did the like the the right type of parry. It's what they do in MMA where they slap down, and he slapped down his jab. And I'm thinking to myself like, well, clearly now you know that if you jab, his he's gonna drop his hand, so you might as well just follow it up with the, with the right hand. But Jake Paul, for all of his effort and earnestness and trying to be a professional boxer just doesn't have that sort of ring IQ I guess where he can put those things together but there were definitely openings where like you could tell Tyron Woodley's good but this is not good for boxing there's definitely places where a skilled fighter could capitalize on him and it it, it kind of showed also sort of like the the gauge of where Jake Paul was at because I think after the Ben Askren fight while some of this was us joking around I think there was some real feeling that, okay, maybe there's a little something here with Jake Paul. Like, he's obviously spending a lot of time, effort, and money in training himself to be a professional fighter. But now you watch, I think you watch this and it's like, oh, you can see the distance and the, and the gap from where, sure, he's trying real hard to be a professional fighter, but there's still a long way for him to go in terms of him being uh, a pro that could actually beat a professional fighter and by the way like a, a elite professional fighter not no we're not even talking like elite a, a, we're talking three and 17 records no 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 like we that. are not talking elite we're talking just like a professional fighter who's like boxed for like five years sort of thing my friend asked me before the main event he facetimed me and was like you think jake jake paul will continue and be like a top 20 fighter and i'm just like no <laughs> like what y'all talking about uh, imagine if we flip this around so like we say we we bring in some like influencer that plays I don't know Dominique Wilkins one on one, and <laughs> then somebody asks like Yo he he uh it was twenty it was twenty one nineteen game. Do you think that like this guy could play in the NBA? Could he be on like the Timberwolves or something <laughs> like some low level team? The Timber Timberwolves maybe, but he you know he he ain't playing on no no playoff team. Man, to be honest, like what I, I'm really amazed about tonight is like how, how many of your friends were talking about this? I have like my phone is full of texts right now. My my Instagram, I have like seven DMs, four texts. Yo, what'd you think of the fight? Woodley, do you think Woodley should have like a lot of questions, man? Like this fight is going to surpass expectations, I think, from Showtime. I think for from everybody, I think this is gonna do really good, man. Um, I'm like, were, were, were you feeling that buzz from your people, your circle of friends, or not really? Uh, what friends? The only friends I have. No, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> uh, I was asked about it yesterday, actually, um, about the fight, and uh, it was yesterday or, or um, it was yesterday or Friday or something. Somebody asked me about the fight and, and all this stuff, and I was like, you know what? I don't I don't really know what to think of this. I I my my I watch boxing i don't watch celebrity boxing and actually like provide any sort of like real brain power there so i don't really know i'm just you know tyron woodley's a former mma champion 
and Jake Paul is trying really hard. I can't really tell you one way or the other how I think this is going to go. I, I think tonight is very, it's like a very valuable lesson or case study that boxing can take from. There was a lot that boxing should take from it. It's not even like what Showtime did, even though they did a lot right. But like my thing is, like this was this was such a great value proposition for so many reasons. Like you got the celebrity in Jake Paul. He's fighting a legitimate opponent. They promoted it so well. Like the all access thing was great. But most of all, everyone agreed with this fight. And and by that I mean like when when there's like an arrow versus Sean Porter. You're going to have a group of people who love it, but then you're also going to have a, a group of people who hate it and say, oh, it's not a good fight. It shouldn't be on pay-per-view. It's that in the third. And then you're going to have, like, literally you'll have writers who are going so hard to take this fight down. And what's so cool about these events is, like, there isn't some, like, evil army trying to, like, hate on it. People know what it is, and I think it makes it a lot easier for casual fans to get excited about because, again, they know what it is. It's like, all right, this is kind of a jokey fight, but it could be fun, and no one's hating on it, so it must be. There's no negative energy around it. In boxing, there's so there's always negative energy around fights. Like, if it's it's Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders, there's going to be a group of people like, oh, this is a British dude. Who cares? Don't watch it. If you it's mean, Arrow versus Sean, oh, it's PBC fight. Don't watch it. <laughs> if it's a top rank fight, there's going to be people saying something. It's very rare in boxing that there's like unanimous agreement across the board that the X fight is going to be a good fight. Like, I think we'll probably get that with Caleb Plant Canelo, maybe. But like, we might get one of those a year. If that, am, am I off? Uh, I Well, I think that. I have an explanation. I don't know that you're off, but I think one of the explanations that you can have here is that this was not an event targeted at boxing fans and the collective voice of boxing doesn't fucking matter because you were not the target nah, demographic. Look, real quick, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but real quick, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't targeted at boxing fans, there was still no boxing fans hating on it. I saw a bunch of people on boxing Twitter saying this undercard is better than uh, the Pacquiao versus... Um, you got undercard. And they, and they were geeked up to see Montana Love. Why wasn't Charles Conwell on the televised thing? It would have been a great opportunity for him. Oh, it's so cool. Serrano's getting the co-main. That's dope. She deserves it. She put in bad work. Tommy Fury. Oh, it's cool. Let's see if he could fight. I love to see heavyweights of Dubois. That's great. Like, everyone agreed that at at least a bare minimum, this was worth watching illegally. At a minimum. <laughs> no one was just like, yo, don't watch it. I didn't hear that, really, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, I think you might be right. I, I just think that, one, we didn't have... <clears throat> this was kind of a an independent pay-per-view where there were no none of the usual suspects. There's, I guess you could say there was no past here. You know, you didn't have a history with Jake Paul and the way he's operating. You didn't have no history with Tyron Woodley, especially for boxing fans or anybody, like, casually associated with boxing because... Woodley's a UFC guy, and you probably didn't watch him. Maybe the UFC fans were hating on it. I don't know. But I I, I, I wrapped the, up the with UFC them. The UFC fans were rooting for Woodley. Like Daniel Cormier or Cromier, however you say his last name, that dude could not stop tweeting about it. Come on, Woodley. You got him. Just to pick up the pace. Whoever would have thought after six rounds, Jake Paul would be up. Like, I, bro, people were rooting for Woodley. Even when he came out, he popped the crowd crazy. It seemed like more people were cheering for Woodley than they were Jake Paul. I think that it was, was, my, a, it was I don't split. Know if you noticed that, but 
one yeah. of the hallmarks of a split crowd is fights in the crowd. That don't happen when you're outnumbered 90 to 10. Ain't nobody starting fights in those situations. Fight. Have you seen the crowd fight footage, Angelo? It was very good tonight. Oh, that's Boxrack Gray, by the way. Oh, hi. Sorry, I should have introduced myself. Yes. <laughs> great, great um, one to come on. So I was like, yeah, whenever. Boxrack, what's up, bro? I never heard your hey. voice, man. Nice to hear from you, kid. All right, thanks for having me. He clearly doesn't time. watch enough club boxing. Yeah, right. No, dude, let me tell you, that that Tommy Fury fight was something I would call in New Hampshire. It was beautiful. Like, that was the perfect way to start the show. Wait, Just what does so that mean? For, for the uninitiated, what does that mean? Uh, that means, uh, <laughs> uh, well, the fights I call in New Hampshire, I would call double-A baseball quality boxing, and that's exactly what we got today. Hilarious height difference, barely any punches landed. Uh, really, uh, MMA, oh, especially B-side MMA guy coming over to boxing for a quick payday. Uh, so it was it was beautiful in there, man. Uh, I really enjoyed it. But I, I cleaned up betting on this whole card. Like uh, Montana Love, uh, Dubois first-round knockout, everything that I... Figured what happened ended up happening. So I love the show. Uh, I made a I made the most money betting this year on the thanks to the Paul brothers. So let's let's I hope they keep fighting. Never stop. Wait, so you basically just faded the barstool guys? Oh, hundred percent. I bet I bet exactly the opposite of them the entire night, and I won all. Yeah, I, I did not time, lose a single bet. Next time you make those bets, swing them my way, please. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I was I was really convinced this fight was going to points. Um, and it was crazy. Jake Paul points was plus 900, which, by the way, was the same line for Dubois points. And, and those two fights were wow. one. One was an obvious mismatch. Wow. The other one wasn't. So insanity. Um, but I figured it was going to be kind of boring. A lot of clinching. Um, Woodley a lot more competent than people were giving him credit for. And the fight reflected that. Uh, and I thought it was, you know, clearly Jake won. But um, I, I just thought people weren't giving Woodley enough respect. Uh, and he clearly hung in there. That's kind of how I felt in the fight. Like, I, I, I under... It's one of those things where, like, on an academic level, I understood why Jake Paul was winning and why he would win on cards. But at the same time, mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is because I played as Woodley so much in UFC 3, guys. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you think like 100% you were playing as UFC, you, when you played UFC 3, you were using Tyron Woodley so much, you can let me know. That's fine, okay? But I felt like Woodley was doing a lot of good stuff. And I thought the optics of the fight looked bad because Jake Paul looked gassed. He looked like he just did not want to ever like stand still to exchange with Woodley like as the guy who came in with the expectation for the power which was Jake Paul he didn't necessarily show that he boxed off the back foot and like granted that's a level of skill that I'm willing to really give him credit for I guess you could say like learning but at the same time I, I feel like Woodley did very well in the fight far better than I anticipated well he was the better finisher right I mean I think Paul banked some rounds in the beginning but you know, we always think about it when it goes to points. Who who looked the better at the end, right? Who was the fresher guy? It was Woodley at the end that looked I the better. I think it was easy for people to hate on Woodley because when you look at the fight, he looks like the more athletic guy. He looks like the more in shape guy. His big bombs were like way more impressive just by the way he was throwing them. But I think Paul just understands the science a little bit more than Woodley. Like I didn't see Woodley trying to set anything up. If he knew how to set, if he had like two or three setups, the fight probably would have been over in three, honestly. Yeah. I thought. Um, let me ask you guys this question. Who landed the best shot in the fight? Oh, Woodley. You think so? Yeah, by, by far, yeah. by far. Yeah, what, by far. Which shot was the best one? 
Um, the one that buckled him on the ropes near the end was at the end of the third or the fourth. I can't even remember. Um, but it was that one punch that was clearly Paul was Jake was way backed up, and I think with a few more seconds, it could have been pretty interesting. I thought that Jake Paul landed the best shot of the fight. It really? was that left hook. I think it was a left hook. He landed. It was towards the end of the fight. It was clean that he landed. And I, I, if I remember correctly, Woodley clinched afterward too, which is usually a sign that's like, all right, let me gather myself here. Not necessarily sure. that it's hurt. But I, I thought that that was decent work. But like Jake Paul, you can even see the way he reacted from falling in the ropes. He did not look like he was wobbled. He did not look like Joe Cusimano in there who changed his name on fight day for some reason. Oh, he he did not he did not let me down at all, Angelo. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> say that. He was right up to my expectations. True, uh, I, I'm glad that he announced himself as Virginia, so he didn't embarrass uh, all the New England boxing scene. But uh, I'd see him enough on uh, Rhode Island club cards that he did exactly what I thought. Um, who do you guys want to see Jake Paul fight next? Uh, not like, Tommy Fury. <laughs> not Tommy Fury. No. Well, we, we got, you you're thinking of how do you make money off of him, but uh, right. What about for just to have an event? Hmm. Got to think about this one. Would it be another MMA guy? Would he? I mean, I guess that's probably the most reasonable answer, right? Another another MMA fighter. Yeah, I, I like the MMA fighter. It's tricky because you want to put him in a fight where he looks good, so you can continue to have these like these big events. It's almost like the, for me the outcome of Woodley Paul was like the worst possible for selling his next fight because nothing big happened for Jake. He just kind of like jabbed his way around the ring. But didn't you guys? Here's the thing about the next event. Clearly, it looked like maybe Floyd was the end goal, and I judging by the way Jake Paul reacted to this fight, if that was Floyd in the ring instead of Tyron Woodley, he might have gotten himself hurt or something because. You coming in there saying your legs were shaky? Floyd would stop Jake Paul. But let me ask this question, though. D didn't you guys find his post-fight interview kind of weird where he said he talked about needing a break, that he's only been doing this, his teeth are crooked? Angelo, I told you, bro. In that fight, he like he hasn't been in a real fight before. Nate and Ben Askren are not real fights. Woodley was in there. It was a real fight. When he got hurt, I mean, he wasn't like a big hurt, knees wobbly and stuff, but he was like, yo, I could get fucked up in here, honestly. Yeah. And I think, like, that feeling for him isn't normal. He's not accustomed to that. Like, like okay, if I'm going to throw a name out there for, like, the next opponent, and, again, I'm thinking, like, MMA, um, I think maybe maybe Jorge Masvidal, because then I think you would have Jake as the baby face, Masvidal as the, the MAGA heel. Like, you could actually build a story around that. I think <laughs> I, it's a guy... It's a guy on the downhill in MMA. Like I, I could see Masvidal wanting a nice little payday out of that. So this is the and it'd be, you know, it'd be interesting. He's a striker. I'd like to see that fight. What if he fought the winner of Oscar De La Hoya and Peter Belfort? Ooh, that's <laughs> that's psycho. That's psycho shit right there. <laughs> Stu says, I think he should box the winner of a second WWE brawl for all. That'd be great. Um, I, I can't you know who I wouldn't mind? I, I think. Jake Paul versus Daniel Cormier would be all right. Uh, can, they, see, they, can they make the same weight class? Yeah, Cormier's a, a big boy. Like, a tubby guy. Yeah, that's He's because, like, 11. like, Jake would have the height advantage. <laughs> I don't know, because Jake, because, like, a commission, like, they have to be around the same. I don't even know if yeah, a commission would allow point, that because of, of the weight difference. 
right? Because he needs cruiser. He needs he needs guys that can make like you know 180, 180, 190. I feel like that's his that's his sweet spot. That's that's why I'm pitching Miles Vidal because I feel like Miles Vidal will probably come in at one eighty or something. Uh, but it's got to be an MMA guy. He's he's not ready for a actual <laughs> trained boxer. <laughs> like it's not, not even happen. Tommy Fury. Nah, yeah, it's it's definitely not gonna happen. Not even Tommy Fury. No, I don't. I think you know. I think he could fight. I think he could probably beat Tommy Fury. I just don't want to see it. I hate. I just, dude. I love your tweet. Like a, a, a typical reaction from uh, from the crowd by a Fury fighter. Like, yeah, that kind of sums up sums it up, man. He was embarrassing tonight. That was shameful. He should like that guy was like five foot six, and Tommy Fury had just looked like a novice in there. It was terrible. I don't even. Yo, honestly, I don't know what to make of Tommy Fury though. Like. He's a handsome what is, guy. What is the bill? What is, what is the goal with Tommy Fury? Uh, to 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 make money off his reality TV appearances. <laughs> I, I I really don't know. It's a good question. I have no idea what they want. Because I just see people talk about him like, "What do you think?" And I, to me, it's just like he looks like a guy with like that's that's four and oh, who has no amateur background. I, I don't. I'm not. Yeah. I don't think that he's gonna be like a world champ or anything. I don't know like how to take the question really. Oh well, I so. Here's the thing that I'm wondering is like, is there a sort of offshoot of boxing that's being developed where you have this pool of guys and the pool's ever expanding? <clears throat> Damn, <clears throat> my voice is not here today, guys. But it is this pool of guys that are popular enough to do these sort of entertainment, like event style boxing. Like, it really is sports entertainment boxing. And it, 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 they're, they're not going to be world champions. You know, they're not going to be pound for pound guys, but they're going to be someone who's like, hey, I want that. That's interesting. I want to see those guys fight. Can Tommy Fury be part of that group? Yes. If people are willing to accept them. Yeah, absolutely. And that, because that, that's his ceiling. He's absolutely there is no... awful. <laughs> What'd you say? He's absolutely awful. It's really awful. Like he's, he, I, when I was watching him in there, I'm like, man, there are guys on the New Hampshire circuit that could definitely beat the shit out of him. And that's not <laughs> good. That's not good. Like for his, for his ceiling, it's, it's below. So yeah, I mean, that's the only way you can possibly protect him is if to have him do these kind of like, you know, gimmicky fights in four, six round distances. Like that's it. I, I don't really see him lasting much long, you know, above that. He's not going to win a regional British title or whatever. So why not? I could put on, I put on Twitter, just let him be the butterbean of the generation, you know, like <laughs> let him fight four rounders against like these Midwestern hobo train car guys. Like who cares? Like it, it'll be funny. And or MMA fighters from losing it. records. Wait, what, <laughs> while we're talking about UK fighters, I have a question. Do you guys think that, the UK fighters on the card benefited from, like, will they get like a, a boost from being on this card? Dubois will absolutely. Yeah, you think Dubois? I really will? believe that. I yeah. I actually think I disagree with that. I think Tommy what? Fury was the guy who I think everyone's going to be talking about after tonight. For for good or bad reasons, like, it doesn't like, matter. I think the ladies will be talking about Tommy Fury. Yeah, I mean, there's that. There, there's the whole idea that he's a star in the uk because he was on love island but like yes, what what did dubois do he stopped a guy in the first round but didn't get that he didn't get that highlight real sort of crowd pleasing knockout he just kind of stopped the guy he didn't dis disconnect him from his senses true it wasn't it wasn't like a hilarious ko uh, it was just like a sad like this man is clearly overmatched knockout <laughs> I, for a second i thought that other dude might catch him 
yeah, oh, dude, I, I was so praying for it. Trust I me. So <laughs> he he, he hit him with the right hand pretty pretty early, and I was like, oh no, oh no, let's not hope that keeps landing. Oh, I know. I mean, you can tell like he. I mean, you can tell like the guy's built like a tank, and he does crack when he gets you know when he lands. But man, like the he he like I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just after the the whole Joyce fight, it's like I, I I don't know how far he can. I mean, I think he can win a world title, especially if he if he's gonna fight like um, Trevor Bryan. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, yeah, beyond that, I I don't know how much long how long he could last at the top level. I really don't. Dubois doesn't have the skills for the top level, in my opinion, as currently constructed. I think right. He's the 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 thing about Dubois that you have to be happy about if you have any sort of investment or you're a fan of him is that he's young and he's one of the few really young guys in the heavyweight division who's shown like a modicum of like possibility possibility that they could be good because the rest of the guys at the top level of heavyweight are old wilder yes. fury's kind of getting up there joshua's getting up there uh not that young and obviously heavyweight there's like a level of longevity you don't have in other divisions but but still, they're they're getting up there. Um, Usyk's old. Povetkin, like is on. He retired. All right, good. good. Um, Dylan White's <laughs> old. Luis Ortiz. I mean, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. But I mean, it goes without saying he's a very old guy. Ulev is forty. Yeah, I get it. You know, I, I agree with you. There's really if, if there's not. I think uh, if you look at guys under under thirty, that's that are ranked high. It's like. Meme guys like uh, you know Tony Yoka and Huey Fury, who by the way is only twenty six. Is that insane or what? And yeah. then uh, Joe Parker. That's it. Every everybody else is like thirty or above. So Dubois, the, I'm sure the Dubois is going to be able to pick some of these guys apart at some point. When but. you say Joe Parker, is that Joe allegedly part of a meth dealing uh, <laughs> organization? Yes. Parker. Yeah, he might be. Yes. He, might be doing, he might be doing a little bit of a layoff. <laughs> That's possible. A little bit of time away from the ring. <laughs> you said time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of time. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. It's allegedly. A, allegedly, a, sorry. Don't somebody, see me, MTK. Somebody uh, was just using his phone and signed up for some account and used the name Joe Boxer Parker. Could be anybody, though. <laughs> uh, would you guys, uh, how did you guys feel about the undercard? I, Lexi kind of alluded to this, but was this possibly like the greatest undercard in boxing history that did not have like a big name did not have any sort of fanfare coming into it and it just way over delivered way punched above its weight in terms of the entertainment value we got uh yes i i think since i'm gonna go way back on this but since the lewis tua undercard which had uh Clifford ATN versus Lawrence Clay Bay, which is one of the best heavyweight fights of like the 2000s, which I highly recommend you guys watch if you've never seen it. Uh, I want to say that same card had John John Molina versus Ben Tacky, which really ripped. And then Ivan Robinson was on that card against somebody too. I, there was basically like every single undercard fight was awesome and did really, really well. And again, I don't think anybody cared about it because obviously they bought it for Louis Tua. Um, but, you know, I, I thought the show was you know, show show definitely uh, did better than expected. Uh, I really enjoyed watching Montana Love get to get the job done, which which I thought he would. Um, and Amanda Serrano did did a great job as well. Yeah, Montana Love came out of nowhere. If, if, if anybody's gonna have known about him, it probably was you. Did you did you expect that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, 
I, I pounced on that betting line, to be honest. Um, I thought this was, I thought it was going to be a really bad style matchup for Branchek. I mean, obviously he was coming off of a, that just brain wreck car, car wreck, whatever you want to call it, knockout <laughs> loss. And I mean, you, you know, you're like, man, what does this man have possibly left? He just got hit with a bat for five rounds. Um, but I just thought that Love was going to kind of walk around the ring and outbox him, and Branchek was going to kind of zombie-like walk towards him and just get hit in the head over and over again. And did, Branchek did catch him a couple times, to be fair, but um, I just figured, like, yeah, like in the later rounds, um, Montana Love was going to catch him, and he did. And uh, credit to Lou Bella and that, that corner. They did pull him out, but, I mean, the guys... The guys Lou didn't pull him out. That was Pedro Diaz. Yeah. Yeah, he's finished at that level, though. And uh, I'm good for Montana Love. I'm glad he he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. Oh, I, I loved that fight. I mean, I can't praise that fight enough. I, I, that might have been better than the Zapata fight, in my opinion, because oh, while yeah. it, it didn't have, like, the knockouts, there were so many, like, different little phases of the fight where you saw different, like, elements of good good boxing. You saw Montana Love have those moments where he absolutely just clowned Baranchik uh, by just moving around the ring and countering him. You had the moments where Baranchik's like pressure, which is like psycho pressure, but it actually worked at times. It you did. had... Uh, yeah, I mean, there were definitely moments where I was holding my breath because, you know, Love would spend the whole round on the back foot, jabbing really nicely, kind of controlling the ring, cutting it off. And then, yeah, like Baranchek would just clip him at the end of the round. <laughs> like, oh my God, like, stay up, please. <laughs> One of those shots, I thought it was over with. The one where his like head snapped back and his yeah. neck was like twisted. Uh, it was kind of a lot. It was yeah. it was a grotesque shot that he landed in Montana. That's fun. It's funny because Montana Love of all the shots that he got hit with, he didn't really seem to be that hurt from that shot. Surprisingly, oh, oh. oh but, but it was. Uh, I, I was surprised Baranchek took the fight in the first place. I thought it was a very uh, high risk, low reward fight in his per- from his perspective. So can I say, um, um, given that you said that, and I'm not trying to put any words in your mouth, but you praised Lou DiBella earlier. Yeah, I was just about to. I was just about to go. There. Can we also like just say that that was a poor decision on the promoter's behalf to put his fighter in a fight? And I don't know who Montana Love is with, uh, mm-hmm. but putting Baranchik in there with a guy like Montana Love coming off of that Zapata fight, this was potentially the worst. Like on paper, if you think about who Montana Love is, this is probably the worst type of fight that you could have thrown Baranchik into. Oh, I agree. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I didn't think it was good. I didn't I didn't think that was this was the right move at all. I mean, I'm praising Lou because they 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 pulled the they put the they threw the towel and I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't praise them for their their choice of this opponent because I I just thought it, it just would make sense to take an easier like a slightly easier fight just to see what's left. You know, like diving right into a Montana Love. Um, they're really just and even if they had won, like what did they really gain out of that? Montana Love was ranked much lower. Um, and now, I, I, from a fan standpoint, this is the best result, right? Because Montana Love now jumps up the rankings. It's a fresh name uh, in 140. Uh, I think people like the like th- something new. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. But I mean, what, yeah, they really didn't do with Baranchek any favors with this fight. No. What, what kind of boost do you guys think that uh, Love will get off this fight? hopefully another showtime date that would be great i don't know if he's who his promoter is or what but i know i mean i know he's been on showtime a few times now on showbox so I'm now it's time his to box, his box rec right now and it's gregory beckham is his manager yeah i have no idea who that is <laughs> if gray doesn't know who you are in boxing like good luck 
no idea. But I, I hope I hope that it, it, at the very least he's back. It, you know, I don't know if he can maybe if he sign if PBC can sign him or not or whatever. But he he definitely deserves a crack now. Some of these top fifteen guys that are obviously all in that um, same umbrella. So why not get him on Showtime? He definitely deserves it. Who would be a good fight for him next? <clears throat> hmm. I mean, I don't know. There, there's no shortage of guys that you can throw him in there. Because here's the thing. I think the win against Branchik, unfortunately, is going to be seen more of like a, kind of like a, an introduction type of fight. And so I don't think people are going to look at the win over Branchik and say Montana Love deserves a title shot. Right. I think... Everyone, it makes sense to sign him. Everyone's got a little bit of stake at 140. You know, PBC has Tank who could fight there. You have Barrios. You have Richardson Hitchens, Antoine or Gary Antoine Russell. You have um, Subrio Matias. You, they got a crew over there at 140. Top rank obviously got the King with Josh Taylor. You got Jose Ramirez. You got Zapata. You can use them. I don't know what Matchroom has at 140, but I'm sure that they got something. Everyone could use a Montana Love. And yeah. so for top rank, like throw him in there with Pedraza. In fact, actually the 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 sort of cynical, typical boxing move here would be, well, Montana Love should obviously fight Zapata now. Right. To- Which I you know, he would probably win that fight. <laughs> oh my god, Zapata looked so bad in his last should, fight. I will I think he should take it. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. I think that is the that's the most cynical matchup for you're, if you're top rank and you want to make a contender for uh, for Josh Taylor, you you would sign him, pay him a lot of money, and have him beat Zapata out the gate. I so he, here's like if you want to cat, capture lightning in a bottle. And by the way, this is low level. I don't think this is gonna break boxing in any sense. But uh, I think for us, for anybody listening to this podcast, I think you might mark out for this one. I think if you want to do this over again and like just get Montana in there with the guy who he could clown for a few rounds. And then hopefully if he catches him, he could stop him. which by the way, the first shot that he hurt Baranchik with was totally not a shot. He should have uh, been able to get away with, but whatever, we'll throw that aside for now. Montana love versus the guy that Subriel Matias just fought. I think his name oh. was Jukumbayev. Jukumbayev. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That, oh boy. that fight plays out exactly the same way, which is he walks forward like Branchick and throws haymakers. Montana Love counters him, hopefully hurts him at some point in time. Jukumbayev is better than Branchick, in my opinion. Uh, I think I don't think you where can they really are, say that. Yeah, where they are at right now, probably. Yeah. I'm not willing to say that. He, I'll say it. All right. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah, you know, after after especially after today. Yeah, I I I you know, Jukumbayev Jukumbayev could definitely still beat some people just with his insane, the, you know, output, but the, the I mean, one thing I noticed about Jukumbayev in that uh Matias fight is that he's he really likes to tough, get hit in man. the face. Yeah, he is an expert in getting hit in the head. <laughs> but he is tough as he is very he's he's absurdly tough. Like he could still just just on toughness beat like that like you know the probably below the top 25 guys but right someone with a little more tools in the repertoire like a montana love which we saw tonight i think would probably take care of them but that's a yeah there's there's plenty of guys like i think you know i I think even matias uh i think he could beat him Uh, i really do i think i think there's only a few names that montana love will have a problem with at this point this is totally off topic but funny that you're on uh, I'm going to BoxRec to look up Jukumbayev, and it, I'm getting an error that says something has gone wrong on BoxRec. Oh, the, dude, the fight crashed the website. I mean, that tells you the, the level of interest tonight, guys. And 
the box track doesn't go down that often. I, I promise you, <laughs> it's been pretty crazy. Uh, definitely record record traffic tonight. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I I don't see. Here's the thing. I think obviously now Jukumbayev is better than Baranchek, but before the fight, I don't know that I would have said that. There was a point in the fight right before they stopped it. Actually, it was before they stopped it. I was like. Because you, you, I don't know if you guys remember the clip where Jake Paul's mom was making him breakfast and she was like, oh, he likes his eggs and then the, the omelet. And I was like, man, Berenchik's brain is like that omelet right now. Like he is taking a lot of shots here. Oh, no. And thank God yeah. they stopped it because like, you know, say whatever you want about the skill of Berenchik. I don't know how you cannot like him. I know. I, I just don't want him to fight anymore. After that fight, you're just like, please stay away man it's not worth it oh, especially when his yeah. wife or girlfriend whoever was talking to him after i'm like oh god just i hope someone shows him the video and especially after the fight when he's talking to her it's like you know rather be on your feet talking to her than and then she's talking to you when you're uh you know on a ventilator like it's just i, I hope uh i hope someone steps in because if it's up to debella no oh boy <laughs> nope there's <laughs> a hard left turn here I'm getting Jermaine Taylor flashbacks. Make it stop. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, God. You guys are pulling out the greatest hits here. Uh, Wait, real quick. Can I I wanted to do this, too. While we're speaking about how big the fight was, here's a few people that tweeted, if you didn't see it on Boxing Twitter. Reason from TDE, who's like one of their important people. That's a record label from the West Coast. LeBron James. Uh, it trended number one with Serrano being number two. Cormier. Kendrick Perkins. Farrell Monch, Damian Lillard, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Emmanuel Acho, who's a New York Times bestselling author, 300,000 followers, Ilian Omar. Uh, That's not how you say her name, but go <laughs> Whatever. You know, I, you one know of the most famous about. politicians in the country. Say her name for me, please. Is Ilhan. Ilhan Omar. My bad. He was tweeting about the fight? It's, she it's, did. It's, it's, it's a girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tonga Reno. I Yo, but she was replying to a tweet MMA on fight. pirating the fight, which is hilarious. That's great. Yeah, so it was it was big, man. Big night. Well, luckily for Showtime this time, the app worked fine. I had no issues with their app as the, the Mayweather fight was just a disaster. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I got to <laughs> check your check your DMs, please. You're going to love this one. Uh, I, while oh, you're no. checking your DM, oh no, here, I did, Gray. I did, uh, wait, I'm gonna send it, I'm gonna send it to Box, Boxer Gray. Don't even oh, say boy. it. Oh boy, oh boy. While, wait, while I'm waiting for this, I will also say that the fight, I watched it legally on the Fight TV app and it, and that was working. I would perfect. never use Fight TV. Uh, okay, I just sent it. I just sent it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, can we, can we talk about this now? This is great. Yeah, explain Absolutely. what he sent you. Um, Vito, Vito, Vito Milnacki calling out Jake Paul. It's actually kind of perfect. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Real, real talk, guys. Real talk. I, I need to get the cold, hard opinions here. And then you guys listening in the chat, I want to hear you guys. Uh, Well, not hear you guys, but you guys say something in the chat. Right now, Vito Milnacki is like 5-1 or something along those lines. Jake Paul is now 4-0. Who's got more skill? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a big Vito fan, so probably asking the wrong person. He's actually nine and one. Nine and one. You know, Vito has been fighting 
since he was like 10. So he really? better be, be Jake Paul. That's sad if Jake Paul were to have any success against him. Like, that's a kid that he's been seriously fighting, like, since an absurdly young age. Okay, but can I counter with that's actually not a long time? He's 19 years old. I know, but it, but he's had, I mean. He doesn't I, even have I, facial hair. I know. I You know, it was bad that he didn't beat that James Martin guy. That was definitely like a red flag to me. And I, and, and I think they realize now that his, I, I don't, when you're losing at that level, it, it's probably not good for the. I, I don't. I, you're not. It, it just. I don't know. I, maybe he can get a little bit better, but I just don't. I don't know at this point. It's that's that's not good. Um, but at this, but I still believe that just because of his amateur career and the fact you know he's been fighting a long time, I would hope to God he could handle Jake Paul. Please, dear God. Also, isn't he 147? Like, why is he calling out a cruiserweight? Sorry. <laughs> like, this is, this is insane. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of questions to be asked here, and that is one of the glaring ones, which is like, <laughs> Sorry, you fight at 147. Fuck? I mean, I know that you, sh- you, you struggle with your discipline every now and then to make 147, <laughs> but 190 is, uh, that seems like it's pushing it. And I know that you're developing your man strength and... You're getting more ripped, but you ain't going to 190 to fight. Like, even Floyd, I think, wouldn't do it at this point because he's like, nah, Logan was a little too strong. I, I'm too old to be getting manhandled in the ring like that. I, I feel like Th- Thomas Lamana should come into his house as the ghost of Christmas future and be like, this is going to be you, Vito. Look at me. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> this is white kid from New Jersey. And you're gonna get your WBA title fight, and you're gonna get knocked down around. Keep it up. <laughs> oh boy, Vito be down in big punch in no time. Oh, he will, he will be. Wow. Oh my god, I got some stories. I gotta tell you, I, when we're off, when we're off the show here. I'll I'll, I'll tell you a Lamana story. It's oh funny. boy, uh, Skip Bayless had this to tweet in all capital letters. So just imagine Skip Bayless talking here, not me. <laughs> I have no idea how that was a split decision. The judge who had Tyron Woodley winning that fight should be banned. Jake Paul won that fight easily. Do you guys think Skip's working a gimmick here or he actually believes that? I think I think is this Skip a is a walking gimmick. <laughs> is this a bad take? I don't think that's a bad take. I feel like if you think that's a bad take, probably you're more disagreeing with the fact that Skip Bayless said it than than what was actually said, because I wasn't scoring the fight, but based off of the way the Showtime crew was talking about it, it seemed like Jake Paul was very clearly winning that fight. I saw that the scorecard had he he the guy the guy who gave it to Woodley had Jake Paul winning the first three, which I did as well. Mm-hmm. And then he had Woodley winning the last five. <laughs> <laughs> Just like what? He, he like, scored it on who was walking. What a forward. way to get to 77-75. Like, there's no way Woodley swept the last five. That's just crazy. Oh, are, are you are you trying to say that the the Ohio Commission was up to something nefarious there? Oh my god, dude! You have any Let's talk about the Ohio, the Ohio Commission. Can we talk about the Ohio Commission real quick. Yeah, because did you recognize any of the referees or judges today? No, I joked <laughs> earlier I that that was a WBA job. They pulled in like s- some dudes off the street. I know. Well, yeah, that's how I knew it was going to be. I I was a little nervous betting on this fight because a lot of those judges and the referees, they're used to working like, you know, 
six, eight, six pounds for mites and like Polito. You know, it's their this this level. They're not used to this stuff. So wait, wait, hold on. I wasn't no, this is exactly man. the level they're used to. <laughs> they're used to Tommy Fury fighting level, but I mean, they're not used to stuff being on Showtime where we're all watching it as well. You know. Okay, but but you're not about to sit here and tell me that the main event they're not used to that level of boxing. <laughs> no, that's true. That's on par <laughs> for sure. Uh, for sure. But I would, I would, I, I mean, just, I don't know. Just, I don't know how a rational brain can, uh, an attentive brain can give Woodley five straight rounds there. That's just weird. I don't get it. It's, it's, well, especially because there were, there were a couple of rounds where he really didn't throw much. So I don't know what you were scoring it on. Were you scoring it on the fact that he was like, you were scoring right. it probably, they were scoring it on Jake Paul just looking more tired. Exactly. But sometimes, but I mean, he was still throwing, Jake Paul was still landing more punches, even though he was breathing through his mouthpiece. Doesn't matter, you know? Even if he looks comically tired, he was still trying. Apparently Jake Paul is crying right now at the uh, press conference because somebody said that LeBron was tweeting about him. <laughs> when he was throwing the chicken tenders out at the weigh-in, man, I'm like, this man's a high-level thinker. I like it. <laughs> Wait, what, were you throwing chicken tenders? Yeah, he had like some chicken tenders. They were like interviewing him after the weigh-in. He's like, these represent Tyrone Woodley. He's a chicken, and then he just started throwing chicken tenders at people. And people were getting angry. I'm like, dude, mm. this guy puts little effort into his uh, like work in the crowd, but it's still it's so effective. It's incredible. Uh, he he's basically like the Jerry Lawler of boxing. It really is, man. It's, 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 that's what I kind of like about him, honestly, is like he, he knows he, he has like a, I swear, he has like a room of people that just tell him what to do and say, and he's just perfect at being the actor and executing it, you know? That's how he's able to be, you know, oh, Dana White's doing this and I'm looking out for fighters. Like, I do think he sort of believes some of what he says, but he knows exactly how to come out looking like the good guy. It's just having a good team around you. Right. I, I just, I wonder who those people are. And obviously, it probably comes from like years and years of him working the marks through um, the YouTube channel and stuff. But it okay. just works so well. The way that everything is framed, you you have to take a, a a stance on what he's saying, whether it be like, oh, he's wrong about the way he talks about the UFC fighter pay, or I mean, for mm -hmm. all us boxing people, that's like catnip for us because that's the one thing we all unify on is the UFC right. shit and takes advantage of like their fighters, unlike boxing where. Jesse Vargas gets paid three million dollars. Love it. I love that you went right to that example. <laughs> it's the best example, like of, in history, like of a fighter getting overpaid, way over their worth. But it's like, hey, the money was there; he couldn't not take that. Exactly. Um, I have a question. What's up? How would you guys rate the event outside of like the actual fights, like the announcers? Um, the bar stool sports betting commentary team, I guess, like the crowd, like how do you how how do you think that stuff was? Well, uh, go ahead, Greg. Oh, um, okay. I, I guess I'll say I think show. I I like how Showtime. Uh, is, I thought it was run pretty tight. Um, it, I always say like in my board, like in between fights, not really. I thought that was really. I thought they always run a pretty tight ship, and it's really nice that they're the ones doing the the show running no pun intended then then it's not like a thriller that are just frankly inexperienced uh the barstool stuff isn't really my i don't really like 
those guys, to be honest. It's not my thing, but I understand why they're there. Um, I would never take betting advice from either of them, and I hope to God uh, people didn't <laughs> um, because they, they were just – I don't – like just watching them talk about Joe Cusimano, I'm like they've – listen, I've watched the Cusimano clips, all right? I, I know. I've been there. These guys have no clue what they're talking about. So that part was a little bit uh, depressing. I um, thought the commentary was fine. Not nothing offensive. Ariel did a fine job, but other, you know, I'm just glad it was Showtime and not Triller in charge. <laughs> so, just dear God, the 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 barstool thing. I hate barstool, and like if you like barstool, fine. I listened to the podcast a couple of times. I was like, I I just I don't get it. Okay, yeah. um, but I also know barstool is insanely popular. It's got its own sort of like, really, they built their own community and and subsection of of the sports world. And so, you know, whatever. I get why I was there. And the first segment they did, I was like, this is cringe. It's clear these guys do not watch any boxing, don't know what they're talking about. And if I was slightly more of a snob, I'd probably be offended here. Right. But then, once I realized how wrong they were on their first assessment, everything else after that was pretty amusing to me because I was like, wow, these guys have, they're, they're really just taking shots in the dark and they continue to be wrong. Uh, maybe that's not what the goal was for them being there because they're trying to like market their sports book and you'd think that you'd want the guys speaking on behalf of your sports book to n- sound like they're competent betters. Um, and therefore, if you bet with Barstool, you could be a competent better too. That was hilarious to me. But I think you said something that I've never thought of this way before, but it does work. Was I bored between fights? And I could say, no, I wasn't. It was it was pretty tightly run. The production was very good in that sense. There was no like moments where you could tell they're stalling for time or anything like that. It was all well timed out and everything like that. So I, I think the event was really well done. Now, I have a question because I, I only watch basketball. It's the only other sport I watch besides boxing. I've never mm-hmm. seen a dedicated like gambling section of a, of a broadcast? Does that exist in like football or baseball or hockey? Because I thought I wouldn't mind seeing that for other fights. Like if they did that for big pay-per-views, I, I thought that was a pretty cool add-on. I mean, I they should, they should always garbage, be, yeah, I agree but, with you. They should always be doing it. Well, the problem is that gambling is not legal in most of the country. So you kind of alienate like those of us in California who we can't legally gamble. But I think that the gambling stuff is being slowly integrated into all sports and it's going to become a thing. I think the NFL is one of the few sports that it seems like they're not going to try to get on board with that as, as, as much as possible. But I know uh, Fox has started showing Moneyline stuff. We've seen it on the PBC broadcast. The UFC has always shown Moneyline information. But in terms of like a dedicated segment, I haven't really seen that. I wonder if... um. That's something that happens in soccer. For you British people that are listening right now and you're also crazy because it's like 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. for you guys while we're recording this, uh, do you guys have dedicated stuff like this for betting during soccer games? Apparently not. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that for like... The NFL should definitely cards. have it. Like I, that, that was dope, man. Like if you just put, put some people on there that actually know what they're talking about that can offer good advice, that'd be neat. Ring walk, John. <laughs> and then he could do he could do the telethon during the halftime show oh, oh my god please let's go oh all i want <laughs> oh man uh he comes back if, if you're listening come back john we need you 
I mean, you brought that one on yourself. I'm just saying. I know. Right. <laughs> you brought that one on yourself. Hey, one other thing I really liked about the card, by the way, was I like when uh, when they use the arena and it makes it feel unique. And I kind of liked how the ramp was. It just felt a little different than where, where how you know how they they you know shot it with the camera with the you know, the fighters coming down. I don't know. I kind of liked the long ramp. It reminded me of like boxing in the '90s when they'd have. I feel like the the ring entrance just used to be much longer back then. So it was just cool. It made it made the arena feel unique and and that way. Just the little things like that. I think that's why I like when Showtime does stuff. I'm a huge fan of the long ramp. Uh, the fights at the Minnesota Armory has completely sold me on it. Why? Because they make you feel like you're watching WCW in the late '90s. <laughs> exactly. Or I don't know if it's the late nineties. I don't know, guys. No, it's just like I, it's just like a, a just like boxer Gret says. It's, it's a it's a really cool, different look. Okay, what did you guys think? Because I feel like boxing has its standard look. We all know the standard boxing look. You come from the tunnel. You're at the same level as the fans on the floor, and blah blah blah. Right? We all know that look. PBC comes into the mix. They they do like the the two video boards and the the little ramp thing. And everyone hated on it. And like, I don't know if that's kind of influenced me because now I'm just like, I mean, I like it, but like, I just, I'm always skeptical of any sort of setup that isn't the traditional one. So I'm like, nobody's going to like this shit. And then we have, um, we've had different variations of it. Like Showtime tried it during the pandemic. The Charlo pay-per-view where they had the ramp coming down and stuff. And like, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I don't hate it, but I also just am skeptical that it'll ever really catch on. Because I just feel like fans don't really care too much for that stuff, even though it does look cool. I think Fox probably has it right with like their little basic sort of little tunnel thing. It's not very big. It's not grandiose or anything. It doesn't look expensive. But it's like, ah, oh, it gives you a little something, you know, like it looks like a little laser light show. Or for the uh, the Pacquiao fight, I thought was, I love this one where it kind of showed the, the pictures of them when they were younger as they were walking in. I thought that was really uh, cool. yeah. Gray, I, yeah. I know you were almost going to cry when you when you had to harken back to the memory of Manny Pacquiao <laughs> versus Eric Morales too. Oh, oh man, I was already crying when they had the merchant when Merchant did the cameo, dude. The tears were already in the eyes. Just I'm like, holy shit! I didn't realize Merchant how was old Larry alive? Merchant was, but he still got his monologue out. It was just what a beautiful sight. Okay, if I could uh, derail us for a second, how come they don't just edit Larry Merchant to make his like sentences, the pauses between them, a little shorter? Because they you, you want to just feel like you're in the room with a 90 year old person, Angelo, and you got to endure every second of it. Wait, all right, all right. Let me let me uh, let me interrupt. We didn't say anything about Serrano. Should like should we give her a little bit of love or? Yeah, uh... I mean, she would that. That girl that she fought, I figured it was going to go the distance. I, I, I mean, Ricardo, she was tough, man. Ricardo was tough. She took did you every... did you win on that? By the way, I didn't. I didn't bet on it, and I almost like I literally had my finger on the submit button for the for the points, but I just like ah, you know, I I just couldn't do it. I but I just I was I was a coward. I was I definitely wish I had you know been a little greedier, uh, but. You know, I made it. I made it look good. I mean, it was a clear unanimous decision. Uh, she she didn't. You know what I liked about her? She was throwing a lot more punches at the end than from the beginning of the fight. I thought her stamina was excellent. Um, she fought like somebody that just made a statement that she is the best pound for pound fighter in the world. And I mean, her opponent was the number one fighter on box rack. I mean, again, just the box rack ranking, so whatever. But it, it the weight class below her, and Amanda took care of business. Like she was nothing. 
So I, I thought she did did an excellent job, and she should, you know, be the face of the, of women's boxing. And I'm glad she made six figures doing it. It's she deserves it. Um, I thought that I just couldn't tell how good her opponent was in the in the ring because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know anything about her, didn't look it up or anything like that. But there were times when Amanda looked like the way we expect her to look, which is like she is one of the best female fighters in the world and possibly the best assuming Clarissa Shields is off doing MMA. Yeah. But then there were times I was like, she's like, this girl's actually having some success. I mean, she caught her towards late in that fight. Really clean. Uh, Amanda was on the ropes and um, Mercado just kind of like leaned back and, or leaned to the side and threw an overhand right. And she caught her really clean. Uh, Didn't hurt her or anything, but there were moments that she had like that where I was like, Oh, okay. She's not bad. So it was hard for me to gauge what was, what was what. Yeah, I think that's one thing about Amanda is I think if you look at her punch stats in her fights, she definitely gets hit a lot more than I think people realize. But I think it's because the her power negates that all the time. So we remember the knockout, but she's not hard to find uh, in fights. So it wasn't shocking to me that I I thought her opponent probably won two to three rounds. But um, again, I, I just think it showed that even at 32, Amanda still has a couple really good years left. And I hope that she spends them... In boxing, not MMA, fighting again the best that they could she could find. But it's you know, it's like I'm sure it's hard to, to make a living doing do, this if do, you're not getting paid. Do you guys think that tonight was a good, um, I guess, showcase of women's boxing? Mm, the fight wasn't amazing, to be honest. So I, if it, I, I think it's one of those fights where it was okay, but I don't think I'll be remembering it in a month from now. I think that they might have framed it a little poorly they set the expectation up for a knockout i thought and it didn't get delivered one thing i will give amanda like credit for is she has a fantastic gas tank that we don't typically see in women's boxing katie taylor is very talented but she was gassed in both of those pursuit fights yes and she's clearly past her peak at this point and i think amanda still is at the top of her game yeah, I mean, the only fighter, female fighter that I can recall that like we don't see looking gassed towards the end of rounds is Clarissa Shields. But Amanda looked great in that that tenth round, and so you know I, I give her credit for that. That's one other I guess feather in her cap as being one of the elite fighters. I, I'll kind of frame your question I think uh, a little differently. But who do you think benefited more? from being on the undercard or who do you think benefited the most? I guess we should say from being on the undercard. Was it Serrano? Uh, really the, the getting put over really big on the undercard as like a, the top female fighter in the world, or was it Daniel Dubois scoring that stoppage? Was it Tommy Fury being Tommy Fury or was it Montana love who uh, forced a corner stoppage against Ivan Baranchik? Can I can I go first? Yeah. So I would say Montana Love. Um, I think, and we were talking about this uh, in the DMs about fighter momentum and like where do you go from here? You know, here is different from for everybody, obviously, but I think out of everyone you just named, like the next step could be the most positive for Montana Love, because I think like Fury and Dubois will probably end up back in the UK. So like the carryover for whatever happened today or tonight won't be as impactful for them. And Serrano, I don't even know like what like what 
could, where could she end up? Like it won't, it probably won't be on zone. It probably won't be on PBC. It probably won't be on top rank. So maybe somewhere in the, I, like, I just don't know what will be next for her. And so I think Montana love, like maybe he goes to top rank. Maybe he goes to PBC. Maybe he's on Showbox. Any of those three outcomes is, is pretty good. In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the money's going to change the most out of all of them for Montana Love. He'll, he will get a lot of money the next time he goes out, wherever he ends up. Um, right, I agree with you. I, I think Dubois and Fury just simply go back to the UK. I don't really see either of them being uh, staples in the US boxing scene, even though tonight was a great platform for them both. And I think just for Amanda, I, I, hopefully this just will continue to give her consistent paydays and hopefully made eventing cards but i think this is obviously montana love is the the biggest winner um of all for everybody today i think one well you know if we're just doing process of elimination here dubois still rebuilding his next step is not going even if it was trevor bryan i can assure you no one will care about a trevor bryan matchup between him and daniel dubois in the u.s now in the uk maybe. Robbie, robbie rinaldi will and that's about it Shout um, to Robbie Rinaldi. That's why. <laughs> Robbie Rinaldi. Robbie Rinaldi loves Trevor Bryan. Is that like kind of like an inside not, joke? He talks or... about him all the time. Okay. Well, I mean, sorry to derail you, Angela. That no, that's totally fine. I cannot be derailed. Um, so no one will care about Trevor Bryan facing Daniel Dubois except for Robbie and maybe people in the UK. But also, we're in the midst of the WBA trying to clean up their image. And uh, will that fight actually be mandated and stuff like that? We That remains to be seen. We'll have to check with Don Gilberto. So that's not going to happen. Tommy Fury, well, if he his next fight is against Jake Paul, that changes things a lot. But I think he mostly, as a boxer, will remain irrelevant unless a Jake Paul fight or something of that nature is going to be imminent. So it's not him. Right. Montana Love, and that brings us to Montana Love and Amanda Serrano. I think Amanda Serrano was positioned to be like the MVP of the night. She was positioned to be to to take away from the being in this position as the co-main event, really being the poster child, really being the um <clears throat> really being the the person who's supposed to be the face of women's boxing and kind of like show this is what was possible for women's boxing and all that stuff. And I actually think because the fight wasn't that entertaining, that may not be what happened. If she would have came out there and just pulled like a, a KO2 and looked like out of this world, maybe we're talking th that she is the one who benefited the most. And that brings us to Montana Love. I think the points you brought up are like very real points. And that's like something that uh, for him, probably as the fighter, it makes the biggest difference. But I was thinking more to, to, for fans and I think like it, it probably is going to be him. I don't know how you watch the card and your takeaway is not you You don't want to see more Montana love. I think that's a guy that's definitely going to be in position to be somebody that people are going to be interested in watching going forward. And I don't know, maybe he does get a little bit of a rub from being on this card because he came out and fought uh, and, and was able to be the matador to the bull, but then also had a little bit of bull in him and stopped. Baranchik. Uh, I think too, like not not only that, but like he, he like I think he satisfies certain types of fans' appetite for what they want to see in a boxer. Like he came in with the Adrian Broner, like half short, half dressed, 
like trunks with the fur on it. He was like doing the Dougie in the middle of his fight. Like he was doing a lot of things that were pretty entertaining. So I think on the right platform, the, the rubble, the rubble make a difference. Yeah, I mean, he goes from a guy that I think no one was really talking about in that uh, in in that you know group of fighters in that weight class, and now I think you'll be seeing his name pop up in discussions a lot more. That's as simple as that. I think it does to, just did him a world of good today. And Montana Love is like, the number two one forty pounder in my opinion behind Tank. No, nah, you're you're slipping. You're leaving out my boy, the Grim Reaper. Don't call him that. <laughs> Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh no! That's, that's, that's I a... just got that. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. That's 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 a that's a joke you tell in private. That's not a joke you uh, you say on the podcast. <laughs> well, you well, no one knows who I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm sure everybody knows who you're talking about. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people at 140, man. We, it's like calling your favorite fighter at 175, the alcoholic. It's like, no, nobody knows who that is. It's like, no, everyone knows who it is. Stop. There's one person who, there's only one person at 175 who got found asleep in their car, drunk at the wheel, okay? Okay, okay, wait. I've, so I, I want to ask both of you guys a question. I'm going to read a tweet. I'm not going to say who wrote it. And I want you guys, your guys' feedback. Three of the most energetic crowds I've seen this year Atlanta, Cleveland, and Minnesota. Leave those dead casinos behind. More of this. I'm less concerned about the back half of that tweet, but more so the front half. What do you guys think of that statement? Bruce Champler. I uh, completely agree. I mean, I, I I would love to see them get away from catering to the high rollers in Nevada. I've, I've been saying this for years, but yeah, if you promote a card correctly in, in, in cities that will embrace it, it's a better live experience. It looks better on TV. Um, yeah, and it's if you're a fan, you want to go see stuff boxing live, go go to a card like that. Don't go to I would never I, I would never pick Vegas over any of that. God, no. But I, I don't know if that's the really the future of boxing. I think there are always going to be cards that unfortunately, you know, for better or worse, cater to the, the to the Vegas crowd. But uh, yeah, they I wish they would get away from that direction for sure. Yeah, I, I don't want to make my brother Fred mad because. He the the back half of that tweet he wasn't feeling, but the front half I like the sentiment of it. Like the yeah. more the the fun cards I've watched this year have been in Atlanta, New Jersey, Minnesota, and tonight and then Cleveland. So I think it's cool that we're seeing mm. fights end up in locations that aren't at least for the last couple of years haven't been so like regular. Maybe I, in like different eras, but not so much now. In my I opinion. think. The one thing that needs so you can't disagree with what were the best cards of the year. Uh, it, well, not sorry, not the best cards, but the best crowds of the year. This one is certainly up there. The tank crowd was insane. The Minnesota crowd, for for the most part, they got a really bad card last time out. Uh, but they're usually no, but that crowd was crazy for the uh, the Dave Morrell versus uh, was it yeah yeah Harris, I think. Yeah, that was a wild crowd. Well, I, I think wild. actually they're just really good, mostly. And we'll see uh, in September. I, they Well, next week, actually, they had a card. I don't think anyone's connected to Minnesota, but whatever. You know, they they, they deliver usually. But as, as good as that is, there's a reason why Vegas and New York and L.A. are still the places that we primarily see cards. And that's because economics determine where these cards need to be. 
you know, you're not going to get, probably not going to get Floyd Mayweather to, or a Canelo, we should say, to fight in like Cleveland because can you sell $5,000 floor seats? Probably not. Mm. And you you have to find a way to make sure that you make money off of the high guarantees that these guys are going to determine or uh, that are going to, that they demand. So there, you, you have to play the hits and you know, well, where, where can we reduce risk in terms of box office? Well, Vegas is one place. New York's another, although then you get screwed on insurance, but that's another conversation. And then LA, those are places that you go to when you want to, to do that. But I think we are going to see, and, and there's a lot of good and bad that has come out of the pandemic, but I think one of the good things is that we're gonna ha- we've had to see experimentation over the past year with where we place cards based off of COVID restrictions and all that. We got more cards in Texas. We, get, we got a few cards in Florida, which I, I think altogether, none of them really delivered in a meaningful way. But we've seen cards like a Cleveland and uh, Minnesota have been really good places. And we're going to see in, I guess, all the way in October, no, November now. But we should have seen with Arizona if David Benavides could have popped out a crowd and, and we could have seen it, how starved they were for boxing. I like the idea of these new places, though, for sure. I understand why we don't get them happening too often. And like, you know, Errol Spence is not going to be out here taking risks fighting in Dakota or something. I don't even know if that's a state, but that he's going to fight, you know, the A-listers are going to fight in the A-list places. But everywhere else, I mean, it's worth it. Unless, unless, unless they, um, you got your hometown. And that was Jake Paul's hometown. I don't know where Tyron Woodley's from, but it he's felt from, like it was a hometown uh, for him too. He's from Ferguson? Yeah, I think Ferguson. That Ferguson? Yes. That Ferguson. Oh, wow. Did not know that. I, I, I just want to say real quick, I appreciate like the balance like for the big fights, you definitely have to go to Vegas. I don't expect that to ever change, but like, I I liked Kayla Plant back at a uh, at Tennessee or whatever. Tonight was great. Tank in Atlanta, awesome. Joey Joey uh, Joey Spencer and Vito in Jersey was dope. The Minnesota. It's just like I like that people are trying to branch out a little bit more, and I hope people or promoters or networks or whoever lean a little bit more into making those attempts because seeing fights with like a mediocre crowd where, where they could try something different. I'd rather see them try something different. I think we sleep on, I, if I remember correctly, the New Jersey crowd was actually a pretty good crowd too. They haven't seen dope. boxing forever. So again, I think like you said, like you insinuated with Arizona, there's definitely some star towns, man. They want, they want live action. They just want live events in general. And uh, Jersey, definitely Atlantic city, I guess we're talking Newark. I mean, they're just someone who lives around here. People are people just want to get back out again, see something. So I'm not surprised that that show did really well. And I think the next time there's an Atlantic City show, I think it will do really well. And same with like a Phoenix, where I think they just want to see boxing, <laughs> no matter who it is. Wait, you think? Uh, you think Atlantic City? Yeah, absolutely. There's a few casinos there that are still not uh sold sold and dead yet so listen let's bring back the let's bring back the 80s man let's do it let's get some boxing let's out bring it back. <laughs> man that i want i want i want the the days when ron katz was was uh running shows every single weekend 
beautiful my, my days. My friend on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, go. One of these days, he will call me. Uh, let me know when that is. I'd love to. I'd love to hear that. Go hear how that goes. Uh, I always tell him to call me. <laughs> uh, I have no clue who he is. Oh man, he's a uh, he was he was the king of uh the, of uh, matchmaking in the eighties, man. He was down there every weekend in AC putting together fights, fights on the boardwalk, man. That's uh, that's what I want. I want to go back to uh fight cards every weekend in these seedy casinos. That's the boxing. That's what bo- that's how you know boxing's truly back. <laughs> My dad took me to a fight in a New Jersey casino. It was a Bone Crusher Smith versus I don't know who fight. Oh. And I was just like, wow, this guy's the best nickname ever. That's the only thing I really remember. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. We got to hear Gray's story that he couldn't tell on the podcast now. So thank you guys for listening. This was a nice little quick little recap. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys like the podcast, share it. Hit us up on Twitter. You guys know all the deal. Otherwise, have a great day, guys.